Welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the fourth Sunday after Epiphany, or the presentation of our Lord for the week of February 2nd, 2020, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast, but I have to admit this week has been kind of a difficult week as we watched on last Sunday the helicopter crash that happened in California that contained Kobe Bryant and eight other people. And so I think it's just a moment to kind of reflect and think about that. For me, especially being a younger guy and being a Timberwolves fan growing up, it was one of those things that I was not the biggest Kobe fan in the face of the planet as a player, but especially as he got older and was mentoring more and more players, and especially as he had retired and his movement forward in what he was doing after basketball and focusing on the now and future and not as much on the past was something I feel for me I loved and I really enjoyed focusing on. But do you look, there was multiple other victims in that and it was an absolute tragedy. And it's been a difficult week, I feel like, processing and figuring that all out. And I think one of the things that has been really positive is the people who were in that crash were all big family people. And it's been really exciting to hear about from the national media on this story, talking about how much these people were family people, and especially Kobe being a family dad and talking about people as more than just their careers, but talking about them as family and how much we need to be making sure and focusing on connecting with the people we are around and making sure that we aren't letting petty things keep us from being together. And I think it's a positive step and a positive thing for our community to be thinking about as we are going through these times. And so I think this week there's a lot to be thinking about, a lot to be excited about, and I think it does in a weird way kind of tie back to that. But before we get into it, you have to ask and look at last week's Twitter question. And the Twitter question from last week was, what are skills that you have that you feel God is wanting to use better? Also, have you ever been in a situation where you've helped people realize skills and abilities that they have? And the easy one to come to mind is definitely young people as they're trying to figure out who they are and what they're about. And if you're able to spend time with them, helping them navigate their different abilities and skills is very rewarding. But I think there's another major point in life that we often forget about, and that's retirement. When somebody is deciding not only switching careers midlife, which that can be one, but I think especially when they're retiring and transitioning into this new life on where they aren't working eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, typically here in the States, if not more, what are they transitioning to? What are they moving to? And that always, I think, can be a very difficult transition. And it's helping to bring out those different skills and abilities that we have and working with people working within the friendships that we have to be able to develop and find these skills. 
And I know from multiple different people, from multiple different walks of life, that sometimes this isn't right when we're 18 years old or right when we're 65. Sometimes it's in the middle of life and transitioning. It's sometimes the pastor realizing it's time to go and bring their skills and abilities to a different place. It's sometimes realizing to enter the ministry or it's time to leave the ministry or it's time to do a different ministry. I know for me, one that I've watched as I've grown up is watching my mother go back to get her master's degree and then going into chemical dependency and being a counselor with that. And the transition and the amount of time at times it takes for God to really show the plan in which he has. And that is a long process at times and sometimes much longer than what we would like. So it's something that we have to continue to grapple with, continue to wrestle with. And I think it's a very interesting and difficult task to go through. So this week, there's the presentation of our Lord, which has four readings, and also then you have the fourth Sunday after Epiphany. So I'm going to try doing all of this together, and we'll see how this all goes. I'm going to start with the presentation of our Lord text. So the gospel text this week for presentation of our Lord is out of Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. So this is where Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus into the temple for purification. And this is where we get the story of Simon, who had been promised by God that he will see the son that has been promised before he passes away and goes through the awe-inspiring type of thing of here it is, here is the person that we have been longing for, been looking for, for years. And then you have the prophet Anna here, which is huge. Again, female being talked about in scripture must mean that this is important. An 84-year-old widow, again, being overtaken with the power of seeing the presentation of our Lord. No better way of seeing the light than that. The first reading is from Malachi chapter 3 verses 1 through 4, which is brought up because this is predicting the coming of Christ. And one of the things that I really enjoyed here was that it's like a refiner's fire or a fuller's soap or a person who does laundry soap that it's going to make this purifying like silver and gold that this person is going to wipe clean the people and it's predicting what Christ is going to do for us. Psalm 84 is the psalm this week and it is the desire, the longing for connecting and being that close to the Lord and looking and waiting and anticipating the coming of the Lord. And what does that feel like? What is that going to be like when you're around and with this person? And it's such a powerful psalm this week. The second reading is from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. And this is then bringing this all back around. That it's through the blood of Christ that was able to release us from the slavery that sin causes us. That this has been what had been promised to Abraham. And that our brothers and sisters would be going through this, through the sanctification that we have through Christ Jesus' suffering and death, that this is what this was all about, coming back around to the gospel text. 
So when we're looking at the lectionary text for the fourth Sunday after Epiphany, the gospel reading this week is out of Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And again, this is a text you can take hundreds and hundreds of different ways and arguably the best sermon ever given. And there are so many things that you can look at and take from this. As Christ goes through, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness snake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you people who revile you who persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things falsely on your account rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for it is the same way they persecuted the prophets before you Whew, that's a mouthful. There is a lot there. One of the things that I did pick up this week is the meek could also be possibly interpreted as blessed are those who have been embarrassed, inherit the earth. There is so much there. I'm going to leave that kind of lingering and hanging because we will kind of come back to this. The first reading is from Micah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And this is where we have the peoples of God and we feel the divisions and all these different things of how are we supposed to honor God and how do we work together to come together as a group to honor God and be acknowledge that God is greater than all these different things that divide us, all these different things that we should or shouldn't be doing, that God is the uniter and how do we work to come together. And honestly, probably verse 8 is the verse that all of us are probably most familiar with. He has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. What does it mean then to put all this other stuff aside and to work on just continuing to walk with God? And that means then trying to work together as the body of Christ to walk humbly with God. The psalm this week is Psalm 15, and it's this idea again of how do we welcome Christ into our tent or abide with the Lord while not having fear, while not being hurt, without being moved to go toward our sinful ways, but instead trusting in the Lord and continuing to spend time with him. The second reading this week is our continuation of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, this week starting with verse 18 going through 31. So we are picking up right where we left off, where we had the call out last week from Paul with the baptism and who baptized who and that we are supposed to be working together as a body. But this is then also realizing that wisdom that we receive is not our own, but it's from God. 
And it's that we're working and understanding that God is the voice that is going to be able to transcend who we are, to be able to work together as a body, that it's no one is greater than anyone else. It's that we're working together to provide and make steps forward toward becoming the body of Christ. So, before we jump into how this ties to faith and science, I have to do our shameless plugs for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Braidways podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions, every week I love being able to listen to four different seminary professors at Luther Seminary in St. Paul help me break down these different texts week to week. Plus, there's different commentaries that often are from other Bible scholars. There is so many great resources over there. If you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. The second shameless plug I would have this week is checking out CBS's God Friended Me. Right now, they're on a bit of a break, so again, you can still catch up on some of these past episodes, and I really enjoy finding a show like this that's able to help see how God is working through people in our everyday lives, whether we see it initially or not, and I really enjoy seeing this in a modern context and trying to conceptualize what does it mean to try to follow God in the 21st first century. It's a great show. I would argue it's one of the best things, if not the best thing on television right now. So if you haven't checked out God Friended Me on CBS, I again would highly recommend it. A lot in these texts this week, and I think it's really interesting that they also kind of tie together really well. We have these texts of anticipation, of people overly excited about here is the one that has been promised to us, and look what he is going to eventually do. He is going to be the light. He is the one that has been promised for generations, and they're genuinely excited. Then you get to the Epiphany text, the fourth Sunday after Epiphany text. And here Jesus lays out what appears to be an absolutely impossible thing for us to do. And then you go to the second reading in Corinthians and we see that we're really struggling to try to comprehend and do what Jesus was talking about here on the Sermon on the Mount. So what happened? We go from this anticipation and whatever you want, Lord, here it is. We are ready for you. Jesus lays it out and then we are bickering and can't get it straight. We can't figure out what the heck we're supposed to be doing. And this is where it gets really interesting to me is we have a God who came in in the form of Christ And realize that the world is not going to be the same when I leave. Look at the presentation of our Lord and some of this, there is a somewhat this expectation and the surprise that Christ comes in as a baby and not quickly as a king or someone in high power, but again comes in about one of the meekest ways possible on the face of the planet. We have this whole anticipation of what he is going to do and we assume he's going to do it this way. And then we start looking at these texts and he starts talking about, this is what you need to be able to do. You need to be meek. You need to be willing to work with the poor. You need to be there to comfort people. You need to be 
a peacemaker. You need to be there for the ones who are being persecuted. You need to be okay with that. You have to be able to walk humbly with me to tie in the first reading, which is coming from one of the prophets. What does this all mean? It means putting down our cross, putting down our own things that we lift up and realizing that we will not be the same. You look at the people in Corinth that Paul is writing to, part of the struggle that we're going through and they're fighting over is change. There is huge change. And how do we decipher who's wise and who's not? Which of these is greater? And Paul arguing there isn't one greater other than Christ. We have seen this in our own lifetime multiple times over. It's just that we at times adjust well and at times don't and wrestle with what does it mean. Many of you who have listened to this podcast can probably remember a time when people didn't carry a personal phone on their person all the time. There was a time and a place where we called people and left voice messages at their place of residence, expecting that they were out doing something. Think about now the expectation that you have when you call somebody and the frustration that you get when they don't pick up the phone because you know it's on their person. When we invented the original Dynatech cell phone, which I'll attach actually a great retro review that MKBHD did a few months back, really fun, worthwhile watch. But that phone was originally designated for just making calls and it really didn't even last that long. And it was this brick. It wasn't something you were carrying around with you consistently. If you were, you almost kind of had a small briefcase for it. And it was almost like you were expecting a call or you needed to make a call. There was a specific purpose on why you would be carrying it. Now we carry these mini computers in our pocket to look up any whim, be able to shoot short messages to people, still be able to call people, though we forget about that, and consume media and consume the internet. It's crazy. Let's take the internet. The initial idea of the internet was to be able to connect scientific scholars from across countries and around the world, to be able to share resources so people aren't repeating tests. The internet has expanded way beyond that to a point where we have games, we have entertainment, we have news, we have way more than scholarly papers. Even think about the change of the Industrial Revolution. The Industrial Revolution partially being fueled by the founding and us really being able to utilize oil and being able to then figure out how we can use and make things faster and going through this big, huge boom with finding coal and finding these different powerful resources and the process and the fallout that we had of children labor and then realizing, okay, we need to make adjustments here, but then how do we have the workforce? And we continued this evolution, making the assembly line to make things more efficient, needing less workers, higher profit margins for companies. You look at the car market and how many more bells and whistles that we've decided that we need. But even just looking at manufacturing, as we continue to try to motorize or make small engines or make different machines to be able to make these parts, we have gotten to the point where in my lifetime, it would not be unreasonable to think about how many jobs will be lost to AI, artificial intelligence, and robots. 
Can we sit here and complain about what is going on? To look at it from a business perspective, there's no way we can do that because we would fall behind and your company crumbles. A great example of that is Kodak. Kodak is actually the first company ever to invent a digital camera. But it's very difficult to find Kodak now, and it's really not even a company anymore. It's been bought and sold and essentially just plastering the name on it still. Why were they so reluctant to the change? Because they had a profitable business in developing film. They didn't see the profitability of moving into digital. We continue to have things that challenge and cause us to change, cause us to grow, cause us to move forward. And right now, you would argue this is a scientific age in which a lot of things are changing and a lot of things are causing change to happen. I carry and use a Fitbit on my own wrist to give me a general idea of how many steps a day I'm taking, how many miles am I walking, what my heart rate is at different times, and being able to look at my estimated sleep data, even if it's not entirely perfect, it gives me a ballpark. Five years ago, I couldn't have imagined all of that information being on my wrist right there. We are in a world that is constantly changing, and science in a lot of ways is pushing us forward that way. And here we are that this shouldn't be unfamiliar to us as Christians, because here Jesus is moving forward the narrative of who he was expected to be, who he actually is, and what the actual characteristic of who God is. God is not a God who sits and is still. God is a God that continues to move forward. He might admire the view for a moment, but it's also strategically figuring out and planning the time for us to move. If you look at what Jesus is talking about, this is a time where he is talking to the disciples and the people who are with him on the Sermon on the Mount, challenging them to move forward. Paul, in his letter to the people in Corinth, is challenging them to move forward forward. And yet we even get the undertones of that in the presentation of our Lord, especially in the Malachi reading. Because if a refiner is refining something like gold, like silver, there is change. It's continuing to warm it up and pound it out, warm it up and pound it out to get those impurities out. That is change. We are in a world that we should be expecting change. We're in a world where we shouldn't be anticipating sitting still and anticipating that things are going to remain the same. I would argue if things aren't remaining the same, what are we actually doing? When we look at the world and the church as a huge body, I think that's one of the hard points that we're at right now is we're at this point of change and we're not sure what direction are we supposed to take. What is our next move? We aren't sure. It's hard. It takes a lot of deciphering, a lot of time, a lot of effort. But that's what we're called to do. If you want an easy example of that, watch Australia. As the fires slowly die down, they're still there. We'll watch as the forest comes back over time, but it'll be different. It won't be the same. We might lose some things. We might get some evolution where things change and we get new species there. 
We might find things that once were thriving that aren't, and once were struggling to suddenly thrive. Change will happen. It's succession at its basic form. We have to be okay with accepting change. We have to be okay with the realization that God isn't going to always react and move in the way that we expect. And that's part of being a servant, is accepting and realizing that God has a bigger plan and God is in control. And it's not what I expect or what I want to do. It's what he wants to do. The person who invented the cell phone initially could not have imagined what the cell phone would be today. When Henry Ford rolled off the line, the first Model A, he could not have imagined what the 2020 F-150 would look like. It changed. Things evolve. Things change. Sometimes for the better, sometimes not. It takes processing. If you want to look at that Ford rollout more, think of that the early Model A and Model T to where now you have Ford looking at an electric Mustang. The progress that that has taken in and of itself, the steps forward that that takes, the vision looking forward and not being satisfied with where we are at. Why are we not that way as a church, as a world with our faith? Why are we so stuck at times in the way that things are and this is the way that it's always been? If that's the answer, is it really the right answer to have? Because we can even look to the early church who was wrestling with that. We can look to Christ busting this thing open from the beginning between these two different texts. Change is inevitable. Are you willing to take the ride? to take the leap of faith that it takes to see where it goes. There's so many things in life that are that way, and we often find it's way more rewarding on the other side. And sometimes we're reluctant, but sometimes that's where we need the body of Christ to come together and to help us realize that it's worth taking that leap of faith. So the Twitter question for you this week is, where are you seeing either personally or within the church? as something that needs to continue to change, and we have to accept it. So where are things within your own life or within the church that you see that we need to accept that they are going to change? I know for me, for one, it's looking at most traditional services. There are a lot of things that I love and hold dear within the traditional service But I sometimes wonder how well is it actually serving the people. There's so many things that we're trying to tie to our roots. And if we don't know what they are, is it really worth doing it that way anymore? It's a time for us to try something new. To try finding a new way to connect with the people who are in front of us instead of just trying to reach back to the past. It's hard. It's difficult. I know it's one of the things that I wrestle with myself. Because there's things I love about that traditional service and love about the heritage of what it is and has been with a church. But then I look at some of these new modern ways of looking at service and seeing that there's certain things that I feel like it's missing. But also seeing the fruits in which it is bringing to the world. And wonder at times, is there a happy medium within it that we can find together 
that's going to actually benefit all of us. If nature and science has continued to push us forward, continued to get us used to the idea of pushing and challenging and getting used to change, is that not where we should be with our faith also? I think we need to consider that we need to think about continuing to move forward and being accepting of change. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.